what I'm about to say, you already know. It's not easy to follow in the way of Jesus. It's life-saving. It's life-giving. It's, it's life-changing. But it's not easy. When we try to, to follow in the way of Jesus, the, the way of life that we get to witness through Scripture... That way of life that we're, we're trying to imitate as everyday disciples, we find that we're, we're being called, we're being invited, we're being challenged to live in a way that goes against the grain of this, this world. Right? It, it resists the, the brokenness, the batteredness that, that we find being created all around us through the the unavoidable consequences of what I think we'd have to call the the well-intentioned selfishness that marks so many of the the lives of the people around us. And at times, if we're honest, that unintended selfishness, it can mark our own lives as well. You know, we, we start out trying to be the kinds of people that we've promised to be in Jesus and yet we find that in trying to resist the, the major cultural currents of the world, we get distracted. We get tired. In fact, we, we can get so tired that we can get completely turned around. We, we start to live our lives headed in directions that in a moment of, of weakness or confusion, it, it seems like a good direction. But then... When we come back to our senses or we have a moment of clarity, we realize that, that through a mistake or maybe even a whole series of mistakes, our life has gone completely off track of where we're trying to go, that, that we aren't getting any closer to the kinds of, of people that we really long to be. And, and in those moments of, of truth, in those moments of realization, when we have lost our way, we find every single time that God finds a way, that, that Christ finds a way, that the Holy Spirit finds a way to rescue us once again. Not only from the things that are happening to us, but the things that are happening inside of us. God finds a way to rescue us once again. And one of the most consistent ways that, that God helps us find our way back is by using our fellow Christian brothers and sisters to love us back to the truth. Not threaten us back to the truth or, or force us back to the truth or shame us back to the truth, but to, to love us back to the truth. And all of us know the difference from our own experience. For just over 2,000 years now, the church has had the opportunity every time we open up one of Paul's letters to, to the many churches that he writes to, we, we find that Paul, through those inspired words, is trying his very best to love us back to God's truth for us. But it means we have to listen. We have to be willing to let him love us back to that place. Because even though he writes these letters so many lifetimes ago, he's writing them to churches just like our church, to, to Christians just like us, Christians who, were, who really were trying their best to live the Jesus way of life, but who were often tempted by the world around them and the world inside of them, that they were tempted to mistake other ways of life for the real thing. 
And those same other ways of life are available to us and they're tempting to us. Right? A successful way of life, a powerful way of life, a religious way of life, these other ways of life. They're constantly calling to us, aren't they? And yet we know from experience that they're really not able to give us what we've always been searching for. I mean, if all you have at the end of your life is success, you failed. Right? If all you have at the end of your life is power, you're probably not going to have anyone else left around to hold you up in your time of need. If, if all you have at the end of your life is a religious track record, you may find out that instead of growing a deeper relationship with God, you've actually just gotten really good at checking off boxes for God. It's not that there's anything inherently wrong with success or power or religion. In fact, all of those things can be good in our lives. They just can't be ultimate. They cannot ever be enough. Only Jesus and his way of life, that's enough. And the Jesus way of life, it offers us the only kind of success that matters. It gives us the only kind of power that we can live that, that consistently builds other people up instead of tearing them down. It's, it's the only form of religion that is constantly calling us, reminding us that what we're doing here is all about a relationship with God. A real, authentic, intimate relationship with God and not getting really good at following rules for God. For the past couple of months, we've been listening to our dear Christian brother, Paul, try to lovingly help us see all the ways that we sometimes manage to lose our way. And today we're going to be reading together near the end of his letter to the Colossian church. It's not right at the end, but it's near the end. And, and what Paul tends to do at this, this stage in his letters is he's getting close to the end of the scroll. But he's got a little bit of space left. And scrolls and, and parchment, they were all really important and valuable in the ancient world. And so he's not going to waste anything. And so he starts to toss in different pieces of advice, practical advice that he hopes that we'll take to heart and that we'll take with us into our everyday lives. Open up in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. We're going to start reading together in verse 2. Colossians 4, starting in verse 2. Paul writes, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Pray for me, Paul says. Pray, pray for us. He's talking about his, his fellow missionaries who work with him, his fellow co-ministers. Pray for us that God would continue to use us to share the good news of the gospel with more and more people. Pray for us to have open doors. Pray for us to have the courage to step through those doors and proclaim the gospel clearly as we should. Pray that God would help us reach people who don't yet realize how much God loves them. 
Pray that God would help us share this message, this mystery of Christ, that whoever you are, no matter what you've done, Jesus came, lived, died, rose again for you. Pray for us. Pray for me. But Paul doesn't only talk about us praying for him and his fellow co-ministers in the gospel. He, he spends quite a bit of time in, in a short amount of space talking about us praying ourselves for our own place in God's mission, for our own role and what it is that God needs us to do. He says in verse 2 that we need to pray, asking God to be active in our lives, that, that we need to pray with a spirit of of thanksgiving and watchfulness. And then after talking for a few verses about his own divine calling and his own sense of purpose and mission, Paul moves back in verses 5 and 6 to talking to us about us, making it clear that we too have a personal calling from God to personally share the gospel. And that means, brothers and sisters, that our prayers for ourselves should echo the kinds of prayers that Paul is asking us to pray for him. It means that we should not only be praying for God to use missionaries and people like Paul to share the good news, but that we should be praying for God to use us. I think it's incredibly important for us to understand that according to Paul, the first and most important work of sharing our faith is prayer, not perhaps awkwardly or even aggressively forcing evangelistic conversations on complete strangers about their eternal destinations. Not abruptly launching into a prepared one-minute elevator speech about Jesus to your fellow elevator riders and the time it takes to get from the first to the tenth floor. Evangelism isn't something that we should be trying to force it's not something that we can do through our own planning alone or through our own efforts alone. We need God's help to answer God's call for us to, to lead others to him. Paul makes it clear in our passage this morning that we need to talk to God about talking to others before we ever say a word to them about what we believe. The first and most important work of sharing our faith is prayer. Every single day, you and I should be asking God to help us lead someone closer to Christ. Every single day. This should be our primary focus. Not something that we might get around to some days when we have a little bit of extra free time and we can apply it to that. Our focus throughout the day should be God's mission. And the bottom line is, we need God's help to maintain that kind of focus. We need God's strength and we need God's guidance. So, we pray. And like Paul before us, we need to pray for two things. We need to pray to see the open door moments that occur in our daily interactions with other people. And we need to pray for the courage to confidently step through those open doors. All right, let's, let's talk about for a moment what it means to be people who actually see those open door moments. I mean, for the most part... Most of us are incredibly, incredibly uh, busy people, always running from one obligation or appointment or meeting or errand to the next. And, and when we're not busy, we're usually pretty distracted. Uh, we're, we're trying to get things done or, or we're writing or, or reading emails or sending texts or we're, we're trying to listen to somebody else while we're staring at some kind of electronic screen. Having too much to do and, and experiencing too many kinds of distractions 
That's a great way for us to miss most, if not all, of the open door moments that happen in the course of an average day. Right? If you're, if you're too busy and too distracted, it's really hard to notice that the person one office over, who usually doesn't talk all that much about their personal life, has suddenly started to open up a little bit more about their home life because they're struggling with what to do with one of their teenage children. But they are opening up, and they are trying to talk to you about it. That's an open door. If you're too busy and you're too distracted, it's really hard to notice that the the person working behind the cash register at Walmart is actually trying to have a personal interaction with you and not just a financial transaction with you. They're looking you in the eye and they're, they're warmly greeting you and they're, they're talking to you about more than just the sale prices. They're, they're asking you how long you've lived in Aveline and, and maybe where in town you live. But it's happening. You're just too busy and you have too much going on to notice it. It's an open door. If you're too busy and too distracted, you, you're not going to notice that, that a couple whose kid plays on the same t- team that your kid plays on They've never really visited with you before, but now they've started to talk to you, and, and they're trying to see subtly if you have any opening in your, your schedule, your family schedule, for a night where you could all go out together for a meal. It's an open door. Or, or maybe if you're a student, and you think about during the school year, being surrounded by other students, and somebody in your class starts to ask you questions about your family and, and what you guys do for fun or how you spend the weekends. It's an open door. How many of those kinds of open door moments do you and I have every single day that we don't see because our lives are already so full of relationships and the responsibilities that go with those relationships, we simply don't have the space to see it. And so we really do need to, like the Apostle Paul, we need to admit it. And we need to start praying to God, asking for God to help us slow down enough to see those opportunities that we're given to help someone connect a little bit more to Christ by connecting a little bit more to us. But that's when we're going to have to admit that it's not just the pace of our life that's making it hard for us to engage in moments where we share our faith. It's not just the pace of our life. It's also our sense of fear of what's going to happen if there's an open door moment and we find the courage to step through that that door into that moment. What are we supposed to say next? I mean, what are we really supposed to do as a follow-up? I mean, many of us, if we're honest, would rather have someone else share the Christian faith with people who don't yet have faith. We'd much rather pray for God to use someone else. We'd rather give money so that someone else could go where God sends them to share the good news of the gospel. But but Paul reminds us this morning that if every single person on this planet is going to have a chance to encounter the good news of the gospel, that means every single person in this church family is going to have to join in. It means not just the person sitting next to you. It means you. It means me. I can't tell you how many times I'll have someone come up to me after a sermon and say, I wish so-and-so had been here to hear that. This sermon's not for them, it's for you. It's for me. And I I think we've got to come to this, this place where we understand that God's mission 
It's global in scope, but it has a personal claim on your life. It has a personal claim on your time. It, it has a personal claim on your future. And if you're anything like me, that, that's a little bit uncomfortable to wrestle with. Right? Because I, I live so much of my life trying to avoid awkward conversations. I manage to, to meander into them anyway. Um, but especially awkward conversations about faith. It's, it's, it's just difficult. And in a, in a world where it's increasingly more diverse in terms of, of how people think about faith and engage faith, it can start to just become a, a situation where we think, I'm just going to leave that to the professionals. But that, that's not who we've promised to be, brothers and sisters. That's not, if you're a committed Christian, that's not who you've promised to be as an everyday disciple. Be wise, Paul says. Speak words that are full of grace, Paul says. Have conversations that are, are seasoned with salt, which is Paul's way of saying, have conversations that taste different to other people in all the right ways. Wisdom, grace, salt. You may say offering guidance, showing mercy, being unique. You might say reflective, kind, distinctive. However you end up thinking about it or talking about it, these are three core Christ-like values that, that, if I'm honest, are often missing in so many of the conversations and interactions I have with people in the course of my day. I mean, if I'm just going to be brutally honest with myself in front of all of you, too many of the conversations that I end up involving myself in most days really, really are calculated there's some degree of self-interest, and they are undeniably similar to all the other conversations that that person could have with any number of other people in their lives. I I'm trying to prove myself. I'm trying to get a certain kind of outcome. I I'm trying to get the best deal. And there are definitely times when I could argue that the content of my conversations that I have with people is great content. You know, maybe I am, in fact, talking about God or Jesus or, or something that we feel like they would want us to do with our lives. But the way I talk, the, the way my words unintentionally make other people feel, well, I'm not sure that what they feel is that those words are filled with wisdom and grace and a kingdom difference. And if they do experience any of those things, I'm pretty certain they don't experience it nearly enough. I have come to the conclusion that having effective evangelistic conversations has less to do with the theological content we'd like to offer someone and far more to do with how we make them feel when we talk to them, regardless of what we happen to be talking about. I mean, there's going to undoubtedly come a time in a relationship with someone and in our conversations with someone well, we will have earned the right, we will have earned the trust to shift those conversations to something deeper than sports scores and West Texas weather and, and whatever is, is in the newspaper that day. Right? We're going to shift away from those things to talking about our faith in Christ and his self-giving way of life and how we want them to experience it too. But that kind of conversation with that kind of content, that is almost never the starting place. We start out by helping them know that we genuinely care about them the way God cares about them. 
that we really do want what's best for them. Not because we're, we're trying to, to score a win or boost the numbers of our church, but simply because they matter this much to God, which means they have to matter that much to us. How we make someone feel will always have more impact compared to how skillful we might be in presenting information that we want to give them about God. And Paul's trying to say all that when he says wisdom and grace and a kingdom difference. That's how you should be living with all of the people who you share life with. And if we can live lives that are filled to overflowing with wisdom and grace and and a kingdom difference, brothers and sisters, we will find that we can see doors opening up in the hearts of people all around us. People who, who we might find out the only way they're ever going to connect, connect with Christ is if we open up our lives enough to them so that they can connect with us first. Another way to think about all this is that we, we really need to learn to see ourselves as the missionaries God already sees us as. Now, I'm about to give some examples, and I want to be real clear about this. I'm like in kindergarten when it comes to living this way, or maybe pre, pre-K, okay? I'm, I'm not giving any examples that I've already really mastered. So as I give these examples, if you start to feel targeted, I'm not targeting you. I'm just beating myself up, okay? <laughs> Waiters should love to serve at our tables even if they're having a bad day and accidentally got something wrong with our order. Cashiers should look forward to helping us check out because we are the person who has a real conversation with them for the three minutes that we're standing in front of them. The person on the other end of the phone who represents our cable company should feel respected and appreciated even when we call with a bill discrepancy. Wisdom, grace, a kingdom difference. Wives, your, your husband should know how much you love him and respect him. My wife, all of our wives should know how much we appreciate them and all that they do for us and all that they mean to us. Our, our kids, if, you, if you're a parent or a grandparent or you're raising in any way a, a child, those children should know at a cellular level that you love them deeply, even when, especially when, They make mistakes that make them feel small and like they've lost their way. That you're going to be there for them no matter what. Students, your your parents need to know that you're thankful for all that they do for you, for all that they sacrifice. Your closest friends ought to know that you'll still be their friend. Even, Even when the going gets tough because that relationship means more to you. They mean more to you than how well they're able to have everything pulled together all the time. People watching the way we treat our family members and our friends in frustrating and frazzled moments should see and hear something much better than what they're used to seeing and hearing in those kinds of moments. Wisdom, grace, a kingdom difference. Look, I know it's not easy to follow Jesus, but we didn't sign up for easy when we said we were going to follow Jesus. It's, it's life-saving, and it's life-giving. It's, it's life-changing, 
And you and I should not only be experiencing that change, but we should be able to witness it in each other. Following Jesus, being an everyday disciple, it, it involves seeing ourselves as missionaries every single moment of every single day. And that kind of focus, it's beyond us. So Paul tells us, you don't start by saying you're going to focus like that. You start by praying for God to help you learn how to focus like that. How to be that kind of person. How to have eyes that help us see all of those open door moments that we come across in our, our everyday experiences, wherever we happen to be. And that when we recognize those open doors, that God would give us the wisdom and the grace and, and instill in us a kingdom difference that helps us have courage and clarity to be the bridge for someone who can't find their own way to Jesus. To be that connective tissue. To be the one who creates enough space in our busy and distracted lives where we don't feel like we can take on one more thing. We're not called to take on one more thing. We're always called to take on one more person. Always. It's who we promise to be. It's who I believe we long to be. And Paul says it all starts with prayer. And it's going to be sustained through prayer. And if it's ever going to come true for us and in us and through us, it's going to be because God answers those prayers. And brothers and sisters, I want you to live with the sense that, that God is already working to answer those kinds of prayers in our lives and in the lives of the people that we share life with. He couldn't say it any more direct than this. Christian followers of the way of Jesus are called to make the most of every opportunity. Not because of how it makes us feel. Not because we're, we're going to think that we've achieved something for, for God that nobody else could achieve. Or, or because we're going to be able to feel like we've, we've accomplished something that, that's, that's so impressive that everybody else would notice it. Not, none of that. Paul says, we make the most out of every opportunity because there's a world full of people dying out there for lack of hope and purpose and direction and we cannot ignore them and if we have ignored them brothers and sisters we have to stop we have to find a way to be living reminders of the kind of life that Jesus says is possible we're going to sing together now and as we do our shepherds, our elders, and their wives will be uh, located out in various places in our lobby. We want to be community for each other. We want to we instill that kingdom difference through prayer and conversation. And so if you came this morning with anything on your heart, any concern, uh, any prayer of thanksgiving, if you'd like to know more about our church, if you need to, to come to a place where you make a commitment to Jesus, to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, Please go to those couples in our lobby as together we stand and sing.